three-point range once again with you coming to you on an evening session joined as always is Mike Berardino I'm joined as always by the scout Kimball Crosley who's patiently waiting his turn and the professor Tim Crothers who will not lead off tonight because he has cleanup spot material or at least number three spot in the order material so God help I'm, us yep that's what we're counting on so I'm going to lead off, which I don't normally do, but I want to talk about really just an astounding story. And uh, by now you've probably seen it, but it's uh, it's rocked the NFL. Uh, it's Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins coach, filing a class action suit against the NFL and then naming three teams in particular for essentially uh, – race-based hiring practices and, and uh, t taking a really setting himself up to be perhaps the Colin Kaepernick of coaching, um, even though he's Brian Flores after three years in Miami, um, was still getting interviews and still uh, on the list, uh, on the docket for additional interviews. Cannot imagine that any of this will play out for him. However, there's already conspiracy theories that uh, – the way this whole thing has gone from the reporting from the likes of the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and just the way uh, Flores' lawsuit uh, breaks down in federal court, that Bill Belichick is behind the whole thing. So Brian Flores, after 15 years with Bill Belichick in New England, may very well have a chance, maybe it's already been decided, that he'll be the eventual successor in New England, if whatever. Whether that's the case or not, I commend Brian Flores for going out on a limb and saying what uh, we say on this podcast, but we can totally understand why active minority coaches would never want to attach their name to a lawsuit, but it sounds like there may act class action means he'll have company in this. And if others do go along with this, then the NFL will have to expose way more than a few uncomfortable emails from John Gruden. And you saw how that went. Uh, to me, the most explosive thing among many, just, just just one thing after another that just, just has just roundhouse rights to the NFL image, the chin of the NFL. Uh, Steve Ross, Dolphins owner, was around him when I covered the team a decade ago. You knew then that nothing would ever go right as long as he was the owner. I've called for his... Uh, you know, somehow his, you can't take, you just can't, you just, well, you can if you're as bad as Donald Sterling. And perhaps Steve, this will cost Steve Ross ownership of the Dolphins. It's going to take a while. This will drag out in court. But if, if it can be proven, if there are witnesses, if there's a paper trail somehow that Steve Ross was offering $100,000 bonuses to his head coach, if he would per loss, for the 2019 Dolphins, who were hoping to uh, tank, obviously, and get as high. And they, you could tell they were tanking because they were trading away all their veteran pieces for draft picks. But the idea of paying a coach any kind of bonus, much less six figures, to orchestrate a loss, that just cuts to the very core of competition and... Um, it does. It, it's just devastating to any anyone who wants to see anyone in the Steve Ross camp. 
that camp is getting smaller and smaller by the minute. But John Elway's in this lawsuit and mentioned the New York Giants and the Mara family, uh, all, all three entities basically being accused of running sham operations when it comes to hiring practices and the Rooney rule and the very uh, idea that Sundays are about winning. Everyone wants to win. Well, the Dolphins in 2019 didn't want to win. They wanted Tua Tagovailoa. They ended up getting him anyway, but they had to wait for the number five pick because Brian Flores kept winning. I just, a couple things, and I'll turn it over to you guys, but when Chris Mortensen goes to Twitter, and Chris, no one's more plugged into the NFL than Chris Mortensen in recent decades, when he says, um, when he commends Brian Flores at this point and says, that uh, he couldn't remember a more uh, essential. Well, I find I'll find a tweet, but he couldn't meant, he couldn't remember a more important or needed uh, action or courageous action in his 50 years of covering sports, not just the NFL. Um, it really puts in in perspective uh, the the ramifications of this, how that will be all anyone can talk about, should be talking about. In the, in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. So for that to also to come on the day that Tom Brady officially announced his retirement, seemed like one more tweak from Foxborough, from Bill Belichick, who knows that his legacy will always involve uh, Belichick and you know, all, the, all the missteps that he took along the way um, for Bill Belichick uh, text message stream to be at the core of this this lawsuit against the NFL is fascinating to say the least. So um, whether it works out the way the conspiracy theory goes, whether Flores ever coaches another game in the NFL or if, if that's with the Patriots, seems like it could only be with the Patriots at this point. Um, he will go down in history. He's a 40-year-old man with uh, thir three decades of coaching ahead of him. He's proven he can do it. It has been his life's work, and it's an incredible day uh, in NFL history. What are what should people be considering on this day? And do you guys think that Brian Flores' uh, class action suit will, in the end, uh, change the way NFL hiring works? Will he end up with a huge monetary gain, or will the NFL lawyer up and make this all go away? Kurt Flood. <laughs> yeah. That I think of Kurt Flood. Um, and I think Kurt Flood, uh, and you know, I'm really, despite the fact I'm a baseball scout, I am not a baseball historian. But if I get any of this wrong, I'm sure you guys will correct me. You know, he was really the guy that really opened the door for free agency in Major League Baseball by um, challenging the basic agreement. Um, and the reason I mention that is because obviously, that was had remarkable impact on the game going forward. Um, and uh, but it wasn't so great for Kurt Flood. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of people think it, it really it didn't really help him in in any way other than the fact that he did the right thing is in the eyes of many people. So I think of that because I just think, wow, this was so surprising in the timing, because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we all thought Brian Flores was a shoe in to get any number of great jobs with one of the coaching jobs in the NFL. And that, you know, yeah, he was wrong by the Dolphins who, who seemed like uh, they did a bad job of 
by firing him after it seemed like he had done good things there. And we thought he was going to get a head coaching job. And that was that, you know, and like probably prove it, prove them wrong and have a pretty good career as a coach. Well, uh, oh, that's all taken a giant turn. And you can only imagine, you know, that like for him to do this, the, 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 you know, the guts it took to do this, but he must, it like, it hardly seems frivolous. Like this is not a, a person that was on the outs anyway, that, you know, had a, seems to have had a you know reason to file this lawsuit other than you know the the merit of the case um you know because of the timing because it's like wait what are you doing you're you're you know you could be hurting yourself here um so it, it does make me think of kirk flood and we're all just guessing because as mike said there's there's so many angles to the story and so many think moving parts here and but for some reason that that's what comes to mind is like, I think this might be kind of a Kurt flood type situation. Well, I'm interested that the two names that you all have brought up that were notable to me, uh, obviously Kurt flood and Kimball's case and, and the impact that he made. And then uh, Colin Kaepernick Mike brought up. And I guess, I guess my, my reaction is, um, you know, Kurt flood did have a, did have an enormous impact. There's no question. Um, and I, I guess what this, what today brings up in my mind is, is, um, despite the attention that Colin Kaepernick has, has brought to these issues for years now, the fact that we are talking about what we're talking about makes me wonder how big an impact Colin Kaepernick has actually had. I just, I just keep going back to this idea that, you know, we, we are, we, we, we are, have the same issues. I mean, the fact that we even had, had to have a Rooney rule in the first place and that it doesn't really seem to have done any good other than, you know, just trying to make the NFL feel better about itself. Um, but it doesn't seem to have had any impact. And it just leaves me wondering, as I said, I mean, wh how much impact, you know, has Colin Kaepernick had Kurt Flooding an in impact? I don't think so. And... Uh, and obviously that's a shame. And if Colin Kaepernick had had, had, had a bigger impact, I wonder whether Brian, whether Brian Flores is in the situation that he is today. And now I just wonder whether, whether you know, years from now we're going to be looking back at Brian Flores and today and saying, gosh, I wonder how much of an impact he really had. I, you know, I, this should, you know, today it seems massive. Today it seems huge. But remember, what we thought when all of this first started coming out with Colin Kaepernick and how surely this is going to, you know, this is going to rock the NFL. This is going to change the way, the way we perceive the NFL. And I'm just not sure that it really has. I mean, all you got to do is go look back to the John Gruden situation to realize that, that not very far behind the scenes in the NFL, uh, we are living in a, in a dark age. And, uh, and I just, I, I can't, I can't help but think that that uh, we haven't progressed the way we should. Obviously, if we are talking about this today, and I, gosh, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that that what Brian Flores basically, as you you all suggest, almost sacrificing his career to uh, you know to make this point. I hope that uh, I hope that it's worth it. And I agree with Mike. I think the 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 issue for Flores now is that the only the only job that it seems 
uh, even possible that he could ever ever get because of this, because of the, the of this controversy. Now is going to be the Patriots' job, and maybe that'll happen. Gosh, I hope it does now, because uh, I think we can all agree that you know that Flores is a promising coach, and to have to be the sacrificial lamb to try to move this this uh, you know this archaic organization forward um, is is just a shame. But isn't the a major difference here with Kaepernick? And unfortunately, is there was no, there was no real hard evidence in the Kaepernick situation, which is, you know, one of the things. It was all about conjecture and and you know way people thought about things more so than there seems to be early on here, very early as obviously with this whole story just breaking, uh, real evidence here. You know, like if we had had text messages saying like we're never going to let that guy play for us or whatever, you know, um, uh, I think the Kaepernick situation would have had more impact. Maybe, maybe no smoking gun like there is with, with this current situation. But uh, I would argue that, that the fact that Kaepernick, Kaepernick, who clearly had, you know, had the ability to be at least somebody's backup quarterback sometime in the last 10 years and has never gotten a job since that happened. I, I think that's the, that's all the evidence you really need, but. I, I see your point. I see, you know, but I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think in both cases, um, you know, there's there's at least circumstantial evidence we can point at. I will say, too, that one of the, you know, it, it would be foolish to ignore the idea that maybe Brian Flores realizes his personal brand. I'm, I, I think his, his, his motives are noble here. I'm not saying that there's anything, and I don't even necessarily believe that the Patriots' job is his, for the taking, because Robert Kraft is, you know, deeply ingrained in NFL, uh, the billionaires club, and and uh, they all pretty much march to the to the same beat. But uh, there's there's a lot of college jobs that pay ten million dollars a year now, or five million plus, and he's you know he's elevated himself now uh, from just a man who's coached three years as an in the NFL as a head coach uh, to someone who. Uh, we'll get into any living room in the country of a young prospect that he wants to come play for at school. I mean, he's he's an, an eminently more marketable now. If he wants to go try college football, uh, he could go get a job uh, very quickly uh, once those openings, once that next cycle comes, I would have to believe it. There are uh, far worse jobs out there than being Brian Flores' agent at this point. But for what he, and I'm going to be fascinated to see who comes along and joins this Class action. Will Jim Caldwell, um, will Eric Bieniemy, uh, will will anybody who's you know actively employed in the NFL would that cost Leslie them? Leslie Frazier. Leslie mm-hmm. Frazier. Uh, there's there's so many. Um, Anthony Lynn. Um, there's 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 so many people who didn't get another chance or um, of, of color or who never got that first chance and will always wonder why. This, the whole circumstance with Byron Leftwich and the Jaguars here recently has been odd. But um, uh, the pin has been pulled finally on this. It's not just uh, Fritz Pollard Alliance doing its due diligence every year and, and, and banging the drum and trying to get people to talk about it. It's been a lot of talk. It's been, you know, thousands of gallons of ink have been spilled on this for decades. But now it's, it's in the legal system. And um, and um, here we go. 
here we go. I actually think that the Kaepernick thing made it more possible maybe for something like this to happen. I think without Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, which was about police injustice initially, um, police brutality, and then it certainly morphed from there to the systemic racism that, that he was willing to talk about, and eloquently so. Um, I don't know that we have the transfer portal in the in the college sports. I don't know if we have NIL now. I think I think the the demand for awareness and and increased diversity and 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 just classes, introductory classes even in in certain campuses uh, that are mandatory for for in terms of diversity. Just bringing you know, does the, the entire fabric of college sports has been changed as well as pro sports. I do think Kaepernick, even though he never got to play again, uh, which was an injustice, um, that wasn't uh, in vain. And, I, and um, you know, again, he's got uh, decades to live, hopefully, as well, to, to continue spreading a message that uh, that still needs to be heard. And, and uh, I'm sure he can help amplify what it, what it, wherever this coaching aspect of it goes. But uh, the fact of the matter is there's 16 openings in the last two years of these coaching cycles and apparently just uh well none of them none of them i believe are going to go uh no just one went to a, an, an african-american to a black coach and that was david cully in houston and he was fired after one year so brian flores has should have plenty of allies in this in this uh, quest let's uh let's go to the other story that was going to be the biggest story in the nfl world until Brian Flores took his step and, and filed this uh, in federal court. Kimball, what's your what's on your mind? Well, we are going to lighten the mood here a little bit and get back to my need to um, extract a pound of flesh from Tom Brady. <laughs> and and uh, the circumstance of the last few days uh, are, are, are just a little bit of a hope, hopeful glimmer for me that maybe Tom Brady's life from here on in is going to be a little bit of a makeup. I need it to be a makeup. I can't have someone living just a dream life with my theories that everyone's life is basically the same, no matter how famous, rich, or destitute we all may be. Uh, it all is, we all have our problems and we all have our joys. And um, and so, you know, there I was a couple of weeks ago when he was playing what might have been his last game. Um, that loss at Rams. And I remember before the game, I was like, this is the day. This is the day I had a strong feeling he's going to have a bad game. I was telling my girlfriend he's going to throw three interceptions. It's the beginning of the end. Maybe this will be his last game. Maybe he'll go out, you know, falling apart, um, you know, shades of like uh, your boy Dan Marino's last game uh, when he just looked like a mess and a lot of quarterbacks go out that way. And I was hoping at least we'll see a sign of that. And uh, as the game was going along, I kept saying, like, you need to come watch this, Sarah, because it's 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 sort of happening. It's unfolding that way. And I'm so excited. And I need a witness to this. I need a witness to this moment. But then, of course, things took a horrible turn and the devil was back and things were going his way. Even when it wasn't even him, it was just the Rams just kept fumbling. And I was like, no, no, this can't be happening again. And then in the end, it was very unsatisfying because he did lose, but it really wasn't his fault and all that. And it was just like, no, no, no. And then I'm like, you know what? I can't have him retire now. I need more pain and suffering from this man. I need him to suffer a little bit more. I need his, the end of his career to not be great. And 
And now I'm hoping, well, maybe this is something because the whole point is, you know, as we talked about before, the athlete, when they retire, it, that's when things get really rough. And especially if you're Tom Brady and you're so driven. And if this is truly retirement, and I love the fact that there was this little no, yes, no, maybe so moment, because maybe that's what, maybe Tom Brady is is going to be lost for the next several years. <laughs> he's going to be lost. He's not even sure if he's coming or going. And, and of course, for those of you who don't know, you know, the, the details, I mean, it was reported he's retiring. Then he comes out with his buddy, Jim Gray, <laughs> and says, like, the night, last night, I'm not retiring. I'm, I'm not sure yet. I, I need to think it over. Oh, well, now that I've thought over five minutes, I am retiring. And and so, of course, it's crazy. Now, a lot of people, I love it here in New England because New England fans are, of course, miserable about this because he didn't thank them in, in his little Instagram post. And they're like, what, what a slight. And they're turning on their, their beloved Tom. And they're all wondering what this is about. And then they're all thinking this is some weird little power play. And is he trying to sell merchandise? Is this like, is that really what Tom Brady cares about? Is his, is his product now? Really, that's going to float his boat? Good luck with that for the rest of your life. Or is this a little power play? And it's going to pull the Brett Favre, like I'm retiring to get out of this, you know, get to another job, get to my uh, next team and get out of my Tampa Bay contract. And I'm going to just turn up on the San Francisco 49ers. So all of that could be beautiful for me because it, it's, it, it's turning, it's turning. The tide is turning for Tom Brady. So I'm very excited about this. And I, I just hope the soap opera continues and Tom continues to spiral and, and people sort of uh, lose their love for Tom Brady. Are you guys with me on this, or are you you're rooting for terrible Tom? <laughs> I just love the this idea that you know athletes always go out saying, "I just I I really need to spend more time with my family." <laughs> yes, like, like Drew Brees, like, and now two two minutes later he's in the broadcast booth traveling every week. Like he might as well be <laughs> playing. I mean, what's the what has he really is he really spending that much more time with his family now that he's now that he's a, a broadcaster, right. I, mean, I don't know what Tom I don't know what Tom Brady's going to going to do. But as you suggest, he is a pretty driven dude, and it's hard for me to believe that he's going to be a a house husband. You know, getting the kids off to school and putting them on the bus, and then just hanging out all day until they get home. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, if if I, I, the first athlete that actually does that, um, I will applaud them. But I, I've not. I don't feel like that happens very often, uh, particularly in the case of a Tom Brady who's going to have eight thousand people pulling pulling him at him in every direction to to not sit or, sit around the house and hang out with his family. So I just think it remains to be seen. But I'm always I'm always amused by this this idea that great athletes say I'm just I need to retire to spend more time with my family, and then uh, I don't think it really changes their lives all that much. Yeah. I, I just want to give a shout out to uh, another Michigan man. I, you know, Adam Schefter is, it's when you're covering the NFL, that's the devil because he seems to get every story. It's very annoying. A lot of it may be spoon fed, but over the years I've seen enough, read enough uh, of how he operates and he got this story too with uh, an assist apparently from Jeff Darlington, who I worked against in South Florida and works hard, but Adam Schefter 
basically was called out by Don Yee, uh, Brady's longtime agent, by Brady's father, by uh, the power structure of the Buccaneers, by Brady himself. And then a few days later, the story was proven true, as generally happens. And when it, to me, the, the shock value would only have been if Brady actually did continue playing, never did announce a retirement, and somehow Adam Schefter got a story wrong. And, and there was, a, of course, a conspiracy theory there. There's a conspiracy theory for everything that happens in the NFL, and that was that Brady wanted Adam Schefter to have a few sleepless nights after all the dogged reporting he did on Deflategate. And the Michigan secret handshake didn't apply back then in Deflategate because Schefter did his job. And it didn't apply here because Brady tried to make him look bad for a couple of days. And as a reporter, well, any of us would can identify with the feeling that must what that must have been like. Uh, what, you know, questioning yourself. What, geez, man, did, did I really get lied to? His own dad is going public with it, saying the story's <laughs> not true. You know, obviously the agent, but they went public. That was the thing. You know, didn't I? And I start going through my mind, thinking like, all these people disavowing the story publicly. Who, who, how close could Schefter have been to the source to get it right? And well, I'm thinking, who do you Alex, think the source was? Alex Guerrero, Alex Guerrero, or perhaps somebody at Michigan who remains very tight with Brady, somebody from the Michigan days that might be tight with Brady, Lloyd Carr, I don't know. But Alex Guerrero stands out as a possibility because that guy has always been a little too big for his role. And certainly, you know, the, the personal trainer, the fitness guru, the guy that Belichick kicked out of the complex late in Brady's run with the Patriots, and, and Brady apparently never got over that. Uh, basically... Uh, to me, uh, always smacked of the Greg Anderson to Barry Bonds. Alex Guerrero was the guy who, well, I'll handle Tom's conditioning and his diet and every aspect of what makes Tom, Tom physically. Uh, that always was weird. I mean, and the guy loves, he never ran from a microphone. He loves the attention. Um, and I don't know, just that was right. one guy who did not disavow the story. Basically, the, the next 15 closest people to Tom Brady all had a chance to disavow it. And, and uh, I believe he had already decided to retire. It was pretty darn close to the original story. So Shefty got that one right, too. The journalism professor in me just 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 it has to scream about the idea that, that uh, Alex was really the, the, the primary source for this. Because I don't know about you, Mike, as a, as a fellow journalist. Would would you have the guts to go, go, national with that story, off of Alex telling you that he's going to retire? Well, he had multiple sources. I'm just mm -hmm. I'm trying to think who, who am I forgetting? Who who would have given that out? Maybe uh, Gronk. I could see Gronk <laughs> being stupid enough to let it. <laughs> yeah, he's done. Maybe that happens. There's, there's somebody else I wouldn't trust. Uh, I'm still haven't you still haven't come up with a guy who I would trust, which makes me think that this is like all classic journalism. And you know, I, yes, you're right. Schefter ended up getting it right, and I think we all, all thought that he was going to get it right ultimately. That that uh, that Brady was just either yanking his chain or just wanted to be the one to you know to get to announce it and not have not have ESPN announce it for him. 
but uh, it just is a you know just as a, a a journalism exercise that the whole thing just just kind of brings me back to a lot of other sketchy stories where uh, yeah we got I've got some sources none of them are really you know ones that I would go to the wall with but uh, if I guess I if I paste them all together I guess I guess I can take a, a reasonably good educated guess this is going to happen um, that wouldn't pass muster at the at the uh, Hussman School of Journalism, but uh, but you know I think this was this was a a reasonably um, safe guess on Shafter's part that ended up being being correct. And uh, but yeah, I, it is well, it was funny that he spent that he had to spend two days you know on the uh, I, I just it was funny how ESPN just just sort of walked it back for two days after after the initial report came out as like a definite thing. And then uh, for a couple of days, the, the, the reports from ESPN were more like, likely to retire. <laughs> 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 and I was just like, wow, if this does, if this ends up blowing up in Schefter's face, this is going to be crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he, you know, he, I, I do respect him. I think he knows, generally knows what's going on. And I, I feel like that's, you know, he he went on he went on an educated guess that that uh, ended up being right. I, now I, I got to push back on that. I want I don't think he generally knows what's going on. Not to overstate it, but uh, I'm pretty sure I said before he went on. I, I, I don't read everything that everybody writes, but uh, do we recall any city? This is a massive. That was a massive story. You can't be wrong about that story. You can't be wrong about any story. But that one, he would. Everybody was hearing about it for 48 hours or whatever but, but until he's actually he, in done done it i mean he, yeah he could have Schefter could have reported and then brady could have changed his mind I generally mean, you, know, you wait until they filed the retirement papers the thing everybody want to want to get in front of us is february 4th the significance of his contract and the signing bonus deferred and 16 million dollars might have gone poof if he didn't wait until the fourth but obviously they're going to work it out and the bucks aren't going to stiff him out of 16 million dollars they're gonna they're gonna work something out i, I have to believe but um uh, the other thing is that the listeners might be interested to know without being specific but i think we all know that we have we've had if you use unnamed sources one of the best ways to provide protection to an unnamed source you tell me professor if we're still doing this you can have you can get the information from a, a, an unnamed source within the story, and then you can have that same unnamed source at some point, maybe even in your story, talking about it in a way that they, you know, would would not comment. That's that's done. That's absolutely mm -hmm. done to protect them. And you you got to have you know you, it can't just be. Ideally, you have multiple sources, and ideally, you have multiple voices in that same story, or it becomes obvious. But that's not. Right. I mean, I, for all I know, Tom Brady's dad told Adam Schefter, yeah, Tommy's done, and then also wanted to just make sure Tom wasn't <laughs> mad at him so he went right. public. That's how mm -hmm. it works, right? That's how the sausage yeah, is made. Sure. That could have mm -hmm. happened. That yeah. could have happened as soon as I saw Tommy's, Tommy's dad deny it. I thought I wouldn't be shocked if, if he had yeah. been one of the sources, and then he just, you know, of course, when, when it comes out, it's like, oh, no, I, you know, I never – I never said that because he doesn't want to be the one announcing it either. So, yeah, 
I mean, who knows? Maybe someday we'll get the we'll get the behind the scenes on this. But I, I don't think Adam Schefter was guessing. That's what uh -huh. I'll say. I don't think that guy guesses. I don't think any solid reporter guesses that, especially with something that was going to get international attention. That that's that that would. Who's be, the would, source that you trust? That Who's would the wipe source out. That you trust. Who's the source that well, you trust? There's all kinds of people in that in that realm, but uh, well, Tom Brady. That's the only any, one I trust. Um, Bridget Moynihan. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's uh, uh, it, it's 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 fascinating from a, a number of angles, but mm -hmm. uh, but he's done. He's apparently done. Kimball seems to think he still might quarterback the Niners. Uh, maybe like four weeks in the next season, like an unofficial suspension. I, I, I would I would wager he's not done playing professional wow. football. Whether wow. it's this year or two years, like I think he could be like a Michael Jordan situation. Well, now no one thinks I can come back two years later and come yeah. back or whatever. Yeah. I just think that, you know, again, it's just too much who he is. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, that sitting around with the family just isn't quite what is cracked up to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I want the story where he kicks the dog. I want to see that one soon. Uh. All right, well, you're listening to Three Point Range, and uh, we've had a mega treatment of our first two topics. Uh, we've got a third topic right around the corner that we're probably going to have to dive into as well. It sounds like a good one because I've been tipped on it, uh, but I'll disavow it publicly. Uh, this is uh, a show that we do roughly every week, and... Uh, we appreciate you finding us here on your favorite podcast outlet, uh, whether that was uh, Stitcher or Spotify. That's uh, another story for another day. Uh, or Google Podcasts or Anchor.fm or any of your favorite podcast outlets. Uh, we, we invite you to check out the, the uh, hottest diary of a freshman basketball coach you'll find anywhere. Just uh, really just sweeping the nation. That's on... <laughs> Substack. I'm reading it's it written, right now. It's written by Kimball. It's very distracting. It's just, it's addictive, highly addictive. And uh, I've read one. And um, <laughs> that must not be so addictive. It's incredible. And and I'd also invite you to check us out on Facebook where we have a page and you can like it and you can comment there and you can let us know what you think of our crazy theories. So let's go to the professor to clear the bases. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you all know, normally I am changing rules and taking names, but for tonight, uh, we're going to go a little more, a, a little more fluffy because I, I just, I had a moment uh, over the weekend that just made me think, you know what, uh, that 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 dude, that is my that is my all time current favorite current athlete, and uh, it's you know I, I'm just. I'm kind of jaded, as you've probably figured out by now. And most pro athletes, I, I just could give a great big yawn to. But uh, there is one guy that stands above the rest for me right now that uh, I just think it is is what it's all about in sports. And that man's name is Rafael Nadal. Uh, as I watched the the uh, Australian Open final. Play out, and I don't know whether either one of you paid any attention to this whatsoever, but uh, but he got down two sets to uh, Daniil Medvedev, and you know, in 
he was looking pretty much down and out. And with any other athlete or any other tennis player, you would think, yeah, that's, you know, he's 35, he's coming off an injury, he thought he might have to quit a, a month and a half ago. Um, and now he's down two sets to, to another. He has a guy 10 years his junior who's cracking the ball all over, over the court and making him look silly. And, uh, and the, the thing I've always loved about Rafael Nadal, and I, don't, I just have never seen this in any other athlete that I can really pinpoint it to this level, the, the dude just, talk about will not, will not give up, will never, will never surrender, no matter how bleak things, things look. It's like the beauty of tennis is you have to win the last point. The clock's not running out. You have to win the last point, and you and for Rafael Nadal, it's always about, um, you know, can you can you finally t stick the stake in him? And it and sure enough, uh, I I my crack staff has looked this up. I hope it's right um, that this is the in in five set matches. Think about this in five set matches, which are only played basically in the uh, in the majors. Um, Rafael Nadal has been down uh, two sets and come back to win nine times. Nine hmm. times. And think about how many times that you know that he would even be down two sets. I mean, it can't be that many more than that. So basically, basically, I I don't know. I I, I wish my crack staff could have gone the gone deeper and found out exactly how many times he's been in that spot. But I'm guessing that more than half the time he's been down two sets in a major, he's come back to win, which is just insane. I mean, those of us who play tennis and know, um, you know, when you're when you're down two sets, you kind of you kind of feel cooked, and the thought of being able to to muster the strength at his age, uh, again, just coming off an injury. I mean, this is the first tournament he played in forever, and uh, and he just said. I am not losing this match, and now he is the—he is at least for the moment uh, the king. He is—he's got his twenty-first major. Better than Djokovic at twenty. Djokovic probably will never play another major because he won't get vaccinated, and uh, and Federer may never come back. So, who who would have thunk it? But uh, but my current favorite athlete is now the uh, is now the uh, might might very well be the considered the the greatest tennis player of all time and uh i just admire the hell out of him and i felt like it would be fun for you guys to think put a little thought into who your favorite current athlete is and i'm curious in both cases what do you got stan marino still playing no <laughs> no i can't count him uh, no you know i have tr I, for i we were, we only have a few minutes left but i'm well established in kimball too we don't watch the nba uh, but I've watched enough of LeBron. I re I respect LeBron, although I still say Jordan was better than LeBron in his era. But if you say active, I have to say probably LeBron, although Giannis has a chance to – I find him captivating. And I really like the, the way he carries himself and, and what he could – could potentially do with the with his communication uh it, it just he just seems to get it but the guy i really enjoy watching still and now he's going to play the senior tour we've talked about phil mickelson maybe maybe that maybe phil mickelson is my guy uh among all active athletes that's certainly one who uh uh i stop and 
and watch his little mini lessons on, <laughs> on social media, I still think I could ship like, I don't have a flop shot, but I, I, I will watch it. I think he's a great ambassador for that game and obviously can, can still make so many shots. Kimball, we only got a couple minutes. I'm going to let you down because I really don't think that way anymore. Um, maybe because, you know, I don't really identify with these guys anymore and, and sort of think, oh, that's, you know, I, I wish I was that guy. Or I think I'm kind of like that guy. I used to love Magic Johnson um, when I was a basketball player. And I love just the way he played the game and would rebound, take the ball himself, feed somebody. Uh, but now I don't really, I don't have a great answer for you, honestly. I, uh, um, I guess my favorite athlete is usually the guy in baseball that I've written the scouting report on <laughs> that I know I am higher on than the industry. Like, it's like nobody likes this guy as much as I do from all indications. But that's all I got for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, all day. There really are so many ways you can go with that question, or you can just. As Kimball says, uh, leave those things for the past. Well, that's our show this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, another three-point range in the books. Check out our Substack and our Facebook page, as always, and we'll see you in a week. <laughs>